0: Welcome to the Certified OCS Prep Podcast. I'm Alexis. And I'm Amanda. And we're here to help you prepare for your OCS test. Okay, so today we are going to talk a little bit about the clinical practice guideline of exercise-based knee and anterior cruciate ligament. So... Episode This um, clinical practice guideline is definitely laid out differently. Um, it's a pretty new clinical practice guideline, so it came out in 2018, um, and it's definitely laid out quite a bit differently than the other ones that we've talked about. Um, and so we'll kind of go through that a little bit as we're talking. But I also want to know that with this CPG, it's on it, it honestly might be better. I would recommend that you read through it before listening to this episode. Um, I mean, obviously it's up to you, but you know, Amanda and I were both talking kind of before recording and we're thinking that if you read it and you kind of see how different the layout is before listening to this, it might be a little more helpful, um, just because you can't really visualize how this is laid out in comparison to the other episodes. So, um, This clinical practice guideline, what they're looking at, and one thing you should note from the beginning, is they're going to talk about reviews of evidence for exercise-based knee injury injury prevention programs. They're looking across populations, and they're also looking at both general knee injury prevention and ACL injury prevention separately, So they'll make some recommendations off like which program to do if you're just trying to prevent general knee injury versus ones that are specific to ACL injury. So just something I think that's important to note um, when it comes to this clinical practice guideline is they are looking at those two categories. Um, So it can be a little confusing initially if you don't realize that. So, um, all right. So, Amina, I'm going to let you kind of take over this first little section. So, Um, yeah, so kind of like Alexa
1: said, they basically break it down into objectives. So the first objective they outline is to review the evidence in the scientific literature for exercise-based knee injury prevention programs. Um, Essentially, the conclusion is that there is strong evidence for the benefits of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs, including risk reduction for all knee injuries and for ACL injuries specifically with little risk of adverse events and minimal cost. So they note in here that the exercise-based prevention programs that they studied included um, analyses that involved a different number of intervention strategies from neuromuscular re-education, proprioceptive training, strengthening, stretching, and plyometric exercises. Many of the programs employed more than one of the strategies and gave participants feedback on their form during exercises, particularly jump landings. So their, can, their recommendation is that they found tons of programs that were effective. Um, there is a laundry list of them in the CPG in the CPG. Um, a couple that I'll highlight are the Harmony, the Pep program, the sports metric program. Um, you know, and one of the other objectives we'll mention a few of the highlight ones, but most of them, honestly, are authors' last names and they're in there for you to read. Um, I don't know that it's super essential that you know every single program specifically. Um, and then the next objective, Alexis, you want to take that one? Yeah. So
0: the next objective is to identify exercise-based knee injury prevention programs that are effective for specific subgroups of athletes. Um, and so what they looked at, they kind of looked at, um, men versus women. Um, they also looked at specific sports. So they looked at soccer, um, team handball, volleyball, and basketball. Um, So there's, they have a couple like studies that they look at um, and different things when it comes to each of those different sports and then men and women as well. So um, at the end, they kind of have an evidence synthesis. And what they say is that there's evidence of important benefits of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs, including the reduction of risk for knee and, and ACL injuries with little risk of adverse events and minimal cost. However, the guideline development group identified gaps in evidence and recommends that researchers and clinicians should further evaluate the efficacy of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs in men of various ages playing sports. Additionally, researchers and clinicians should further evaluate the efficacy of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs in basketball and volleyball athletes. Although large-scale prospective trials or RCTs are costly, the benefits of identifying programs effective in reducing knee injuries in various sports outweigh these financial costs. Um, so obviously, they're encouraging continued um, research on those areas. For, um, you know, the, the research that they did, they did say that they couldn't really conclude Um any sort of you know, specific exercise-based knee injury prevention programs in female volleyball players. Um, so some of the studies did include volleyball players, um, but they just weren't able to really come to a conclusion based off those studies. So um, the recommendations they make is that clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes should implement exercise-based knee injury prevention programs prior to athletic training sessions practices, or games in female athletes to reduce the risk of ACL injuries, especially in female athletes younger than 18 years of age. Um, and then they mentioned some specific programs for that population that they recommend. Um, the next recommendation is that soccer players, especially women should use exercise based knee injury prevention programs to reduce the risk of severe knee and ACL injuries. Um, again, they list a couple that they really like for that. Um, they talk about preventing severe knee injuries and then also a few programs specifically for ACL. And then the next recommendation is that male and female team handball players, particularly those 15 to 17 years of age should implement exercise-based knee injury prevention programs. Um, and they list two specific programs, the Olsen and the back for that. Um, so, you know, Basically, what this section is saying, it kind of supports, you know, the previous CPG that we talked about where, you know, we see a lot of these injuries in females, we see a lot of them in soccer players. um, And so their research is really coming out and saying that, you know, there are some programs that could potentially decrease the risk for these injuries in these specific populations. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that section. No, not necessarily.
1: I think, you know, like you had said, you and I talked before and I think one thing that Alexis and I have talked pretty extensively about is these programs are great in theory. Unfortunately, I think most people that work in a standard orthopedic clinic don't have the opportunity, whether it be cost, time, productivity, whatever the case may be to actually be part of implementing something like this. So I think it's, you know, that's an opportunity as a physical therapist, like maybe you're not on the field implementing this, or maybe you're not at practice. But you know, if you're getting referrals from a consistent school, or you're one of the only therapy clinics in town, and you're seeing a lot from the same population, like that's where communication with coaching staff and stuff can be really helpful. Um, You know, and Mm -hmm. uh, like we talked about in the other CPG with rehabbing ACL tears, You know, insurance limitations are a very real thing, and they really dictate, unfortunately, more treatment than I think any of us would like. And I'm not sure that we always have the chance to do this kind of stuff with um, our athletes, but I think it's important that when you do have the chance, yeah, you maybe can't implement it exactly how the research outlined in the CPG. You know, they talk about using a couple hundred participants. Well, certainly that's not going to happen in the clinic, but maybe, you know, pulling some of the pieces and parts from this to make sure you're rehabbing the patients you are seeing to the optimal level that you can, and do your part in terms of prevention. Because in a in a section of this, they talk about the effect on the overall cost of healthcare and treating these types of injuries in these kids. Because they end up, you know, if they end up with another a opposite side injury, a same side retail, whatever the case may be, it can get expensive. And they're a prime group. They're a prime yeah. group to help with, um, you know, prevention. You know, unfortunately, like Alexa said, our healthcare system's not set up for a lot of prevention, but if there was a population to work on prevention with, it's probably your teenage and athletes. You know, your teenage and adolescent athletes, they're probably going to be pretty receptive to a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. So the next objective that they discuss is to describe the evidence for components, dosage, and delivery of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs. Now this is, again, a very exhaustive section with they basically review a lot of research studies. Um, One thing that you will see over and over and over through this section is that programs with more than one component resulted in ACL injury reductions. And in contrast, programs with only a single exercise component did not result in a significant reduction. So that's where, you know, making sure you're doing the, um, strengthening and then the plyometrics and the proprioceptive training is all really important. Um, essentially their recommendations, they, they do make a statement that, which I already kind of said that, um you know, there's little risk to participate in something like this and minimal cost. You know, there's not a lot of adverse events. But their recommendations are that exercise-based knee injury prevention programs used for women should incorporate multiple components, proximal control exercises, and a combination of strength and plyometric exercises. The next recommendation is that programs should involve training multiple times per week, training sessions that last longer than 20 minutes, and training volumes that are longer than 30 minutes per week. So, anywhere, you know, they, one of the studies they cited in here, 20 minutes was like the bare minimum. Um, there is benefit around 30 to 45 also, but I think there's some debate about what actually fits into the schedules here. The next recommendation is that clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes should start exercise-based knee injury prevention programs in the preseason and continue performing the program throughout the regular season. One of the studies they cited in here looked at, ones that were just participating in this during season and ones that had started in the preseason and continued. And really the only group that showed good injury reduction was the ones that were in preseason and during season. Doing it just preseason and not continuing had a higher rate of injury and doing it just during the season wasn't enough to help prevent injury. The next recommendation is that clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes must ensure high compliance with exercise-based knee injury prevention programs particularly in female athletes, Um, you know, again, there was multiple studies in here that talked about compliance and whether or not they did what they were supposed to on the number of days compared to the number of days they were training. And I don't think it's surprising that the more compliant they are, the better the program worked. Um, But again, you have to remember the population we're working with here. That's got to be supported by clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletic trainers to help the the kids understand the importance there. Um, The last recommendation, which I think I found a little bit interesting, um, you know, I think we all feel like, oh, balance and proprioception, balance, proprioception. They found that exercise-based knee injury prevention programs may not need to incorporate balance exercises, and balance should not be the sole component of a program. So that's really, you know, using your clinical reasoning, this isn't a balance injury. It's a proprioceptive and proximal control issue more often than a sheer balance issue. Um, so just be aware that spending a lot of time on balance exercises is not going to give you the same outcome. Uh, Did you have anything to add to that objective there, Alexis?
0: Uh, No, I don't think so. I think that was pretty much covers what they're talking about there. So so the next objective is to provide suggestions for implementation of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs. Um, so what they say about this section is there is no increase in risk of adverse events when all athletes perform prevention programs compared to only athletes screened as high risk, and there's no harm in performing prevention programs. So although costs may minimally increase depending on the program as more athletes participate, the small increase in program costs is likely outweighed by long-term healthcare costs and by the reduction in ACL injuries. So their recommendations are that clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes should implement exercise-based knee injury prevention programs in all young athletes, not just those athletes identified through a screening as being at high risk for ACL injury, to optimize the numbers needed to treat while reducing costs. For the greatest reduction in future medical costs and prevention of ACL injuries, osteoarthritis, and total knee replacements Clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes should encourage implementation of exercise-based ACL injury prevention programs in athletes 12 to 25 years of age and involved in sports with a high risk of ACL injury. And clinicians, coaches, parents, and athletes should support implementation of exercise-based knee injury prevention programs led by either coaches or a group of coaches and medical professionals. Um, So basically, you know, what they're kind of saying here is... There's no, you know, besides maybe a little bit of minimal increase in costs in the beginning, there's really no adverse effect of putting people in these programs. It's not going to have a negative outcome. Um, And that, you know, they're also, I think it's really interesting that they're pointing out the fact that, you know, it could really reduce medical costs in the future because if you prevent the ACL injury, Um, You might also be preventing osteoarthritis down the road, total knee replacements, that sort of thing. So they're really thinking big picture, um, looking at these different studies. So do you have anything else to add to that? No, I
1: don't. Um, I think the next, you know, that really covers the four objectives that they highlight in this CPG. It's not a terribly long one. Um, Moving down into page 14, if you are following along, they go into the, um, this like flow chart that basically covers the four objectives that we just discussed. Um, I personally find the flowchart a little bit confusing for this section because it talks about so many different populations, but it's there for you to reference. The bottom of page 14, there's what they know is figure two. And I'm gonna read this because I think it gives people an idea of what types of interventions they're talking about in each of the types of intervention they incorporated. So for flexibility, what they consider dynamic stretching, they suggest for quadriceps, hamstrings, hip adductors, hip flexors, and the calf muscles. For running type, agility type activities, they talk about forward running, backward running, zigzag running, forward and backward, and bounding. For strength, they're looking at double leg squat, single leg squat, lunges, and the Nordic hamstring exercise. They also include core, which I think is important. Sometimes I think this gets left out. Um, they talk about prone planking and bridges and then their last category that they look at is plyometrics. They look at single leg hopping anterior and posterior, which again, single leg hopping we've discussed in detail, the hop testing in the other, uh, podcast episodes. So be familiar with those ice skaters, which is essentially lateral jumping and then, um, jump to header or catch ball overhead, depending on the sport. You know, again, we've talked before about how specificity of training really matters, so, these are loose guidelines for a program like this, but also incorporating some of the more sports-specific activities if you are in a position to implement these programs. They also include in here Table 2, and that begins on page A15. Table 2 is very long and very repetitive. What they essentially do is they break down those five categories that I just went over, and under each one, they list each specific program that was mentioned in the CPG, so the Hamony, um, the SportsMetric Program, the PEP, they go through every single one, and they note, like, what equipment was needed, how much time for each activity, and then which activity or muscle groups they included in the program. It's there if you want to read it. Um, you know, I think if you have a general idea of what types of interventions are included in this program, I think that that's where you're fine. You know, I would imagine that's fine, and clinical judgment comes in there. Um, but if it, you want to read about a specific program, it is outlined there for you. So that kind of covers this CPG in short. It's really not, a, like I said, not a terribly involved one. Um, I think if you have the main ideas behind those objectives, you have the, the important parts of this. Um, you know, other than that, if you have any specific questions about this, again, you can send us an email at certifiedocspodcast at gmail. Dot com. We'll be happy to field questions there. I know some people have reached out and emailed us, which is great. Um, did you have anything last additions there, Alexis, on anything for the CPG?
0: No, I don't think so. I think, you know, this obviously is not as an invo- involved an episode as most of them that we've done. But we wanted to make sure we at least addressed it because obviously it is out there. Um, and we also wanted to make sure that people... Really take a step back when you start this and realize that it's just not set up the way the other ones are. Um, And, you know, pull some information that you feel like you can use with your patients with this. Again, we don't get to do a ton of injury prevention, but if you are in a clinic where you're getting to see these people later down the road, um, you know, incorporating some of these strategies to help them prevent future injury and educating them on those benefits, I think is a really, really important part. So
1: I think that wraps it up. Um, I think next we're going to try to move into foot and ankle, and there's three different CPGs for that. So that's what'll be up next. Yep. All right. Thank you very much.